Anybody feel the presence of God in this place? Isn't it just a wonderful sense of His presence? Hallelujah. Good stuff. Thank you, Eddie. Eddie learned the power of generosity. You don't give to get. That's not why we give. We give because we love God and want to be obedient to His Word. And the wonderful thing is God's Word is true and all those benefits do come along with it. There is something to that, and I'm thankful for that. But if He never did anything else for us, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, listen, real quickly, I want to tell you how we're going to do our Christmas this year. As you know, Christmas falls on a Sunday. And so that weekend, what we're going to do is our main service, Christmas weekend, is going to be on Christmas Eve, Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. And we're going to have a wonderful time together at 6 o'clock that evening. It's going to be a wonderful service. We're going to do candlelight. We're going to do all of those, those things. We are going to have, everybody say, we are going to have a service on Christmas morning. Y'all didn't say that is good. But don't panic, okay? Dr. Thomason has asked to do this, and he's going to do a special 11 a.m. only service that morning. It's going to be a communion service. It's going to be unplugged. It's going to be very intimate. It's going to, you know, uh, it's for whoever wants to come. Uh, we, my family has, I'll just be honest, my family has plans. We're not going to be here, but you or if you're, in, if you're going to be here and you want to come, it's going to be a beautiful, wonderful time together. Communion, Dr. Thomason, 11 a.m. only on Christmas morning. All right? Is that good? Everybody, all right, cool. All right. Wonderful. All right. We're now in week three of Jonah, and uh, we're finally going to get to the whale. Yeah. All right. Uh, but I hate to disappoint you this early in the message. You know, I usually wait to disappoint you until later in the message, but I hate to disappoint you this early. It really wasn't a whale, but I needed a good title, so that's, that's what we're going to go with today, the whale. But in review, real quickly, in week one, we talked about Jonah was, the fact that he was already a prophet. This wasn't his first go-around. This wasn't his first calling. This, this was his latest assignment, and it was extremely clear Extremely clear, but that doesn't always make it easier, does it? When we know all the details, some, sometimes it actually makes it harder than easier, and that's what, the, what happened with him. And he rejected that assignment because of the assignment, because of the details, and I think my theory is he was overwhelmed with it because of all the details and because he tried to embrace the whole thing at one time instead of, trying to, instead of just simply saying yes first. To God and allowing him to work out the details, he tried to do it himself. He got overwhelmed. He said no, and he ran from God. And we do the same thing sometimes. The big idea was simply surrender, folks. Come on, we've got to just, sometimes we just bow the knee, not sometimes, all the time, bow the knee, bow the knee, surrender, say yes, and let God in his timing work out the details. In week two, we talked about the storm we talked about it was Jonah's fault, and he was down below deck sleeping. Everybody's life was at risk, and he was sleeping. And again, my theory in that was that he was battling depression. He knew what it was to hear the voice of God. 
He knew what it was to walk in God's will, and he knew he was out of God's will. And I think he was just battling a deep, deep depression. And, and I said it last week, and I want to be sensitive, but depressed people often sleep to get away and to escape from that depression. And I think that's what was happening in that situation. Uh, and then I talked about a second storm. Very similar circumstances, even with a man sleeping during the storm, but it was Jesus. We know he wasn't depressed. It's because he was at complete peace that he could sleep. Even though he knew he was facing the cross, he was at complete peace because he is the prince of peace. He is peace. He's the, he's the king of peace, the word of God says. He's the message of peace, and I made it very clear that that peace is available through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That peace is available. And I even said the big idea was this. See if you can remember, peace is only a what away? Conversation. That's right, a conversation. Well, we left Jonah in the storm being chewed out below deck by the captain. Let's find out what happens next. If you have your Bibles, Jonah chapter 1. We are going to cover a lot more ground today than we have the last two weeks. We covered three verses in week one and three verses in week two. We're going to get by with a little bit more this time, so hang on, okay? But uh, Jonah chapter one, I'm in the NIV, verse seven. It should be on the screen. Then the sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. This practice of casting lots was a pagan ritual. This wasn't a godly thing. This was a pagan ritual. It was kind of childish and elementary. They had all kinds of superstitions, but God can use anything. And God used it in this situation for his purposes. Verse 8, so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. I think it's interesting that he mentioned that God made the sea. They were on the sea. They were about to die because of the ocean, because of this storm on the water. And I think it's interesting that he says that. Verse 10, this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. Evidently, they didn't know what God he was running from. When they found out what God he was running from right here, that he was running from the Hebrew God, it was like they were like, are you kidding me? We've heard about that God. We've heard about Egypt. Come on, this is, these people have heard these, these exploits for years and years of the Hebrew God. We've heard about Egypt. We've heard about Moses. We've heard about Joshua. We've heard about King David and, 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 and King Solomon. We've heard about the Hebrew God. You're trying to run from that God? It's like the, 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 these pagans knew better than Jonah did how crazy he was acting. The fact that you can't run from God, that God. Listen. Can we be real this morning? Everybody, we're in church, right? Let's let the guard down. Even as followers of Jesus, if you are this morning, we can make some of the dumbest <laughs> decisions 
and poorest choices, even though we should know better. Well, we can see it in other people, can't we? We're quick to be able to see it and identify it in other people, especially our spouse. Oh, I just messed something all up. But we can't see it in ourselves. And, you know, we get something in our head. We get stubborn. We convince ourselves that we are right. But listen to me. In doing so, we are basically saying, God, you are wrong. And sometimes God will use the most unlikely voices to get our attention. Voices that we would never expect, and that's what gets our attention. And in this case, that's what happened. He used God used pagan sailors that didn't even have a relationship with God. They'd only heard about God and reminded Jonah, you're crazy. What are you doing? Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? <laughs> Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault. Everybody say, my fault. He's finally come to his senses. And that this great storm has come upon you. Verse 13, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. They were never going to row out of this storm because it, God sent the storm for a reason. That's preaching right there. You cannot row out of certain storms when your own strength. They tried. They did not want to kill Jonah. It was a death sentence to throw him into the water. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then the Lord took Jonah, the Lord, not the Lord, then they took Jonah, <laughs> might have felt that way, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and immediately the raging sea grew calm. At this, at this miracle, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice. You know what they were doing? They were worshiping. In the Old Testament, that's what worshiping was about, was offering a sacrifice. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So after they finally decided the only way out was to throw Jonah, they did so. The sea began to grow completely calm, and then they started having revival service on the boat. Amen? Anybody else? That's, that's what I would have done. This whole thing, listen, this whole thing, deeply affected these men. Verse 11, or 17, excuse me, 17. Now the Lord provided. Everybody say provided. That's important. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. There's a, there's a funny little story about a little girl who was talking to her teacher in science class. And they were talking about whales. And the teacher said, now it's impossible, as big as they are, it's impossible for a whale to swallow a human because their throat is so small. Well, this girl had just been in Sunday school and they talked all about this. And she said, no, time out, wait. Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And the teacher smiled and she said, but honey, I, you know, it's, it's impossible because the, the, the whale's throat is too small. So the little girl thought a minute, 
She said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to ask Jonah about that. The teacher said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? The girl looked at her and said, well, then you can ask him. <laughs> All right. In fact, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. But it was, in fact, not a whale. The Hebrew for that word was not whale. There is a Hebrew word for whale. And that actually, the Hebrew word is for enormous, giant, huge, great fish. But it's really irrelevant, isn't it? This is, this is an act of God. This is a supernatural event because Jonah wouldn't have been able to survive it either way without God. God in his grace and provision provided the whale, the fish, whatever, to rescue him. And contrary to popular belief, look at the screen. The great fish in Jonah's story does not represent only punishment, but also provision. The story is not about punishment. The fish is not about punishment. What you're going through is not about punishment. It might be about provision. That let that sink in just a second. Now, there is certainly a principle of sowing and reaping going on here. I mean, come on, this is old-fashioned preaching, but if you continuously push back on God, turn your back on God, say no to God and what he's trying to get you, there's going to be some earthly consequences to that. You can't get around that. You can't blame it on the devil. You can't blame it on a demon. You can't blame it on circumstances or bad fortune. Look at the screen. Christianity is not a democracy. Alan came to preach today. Christianity is not a democracy. It's really hard for us to get this in our Western mindset because we have been indoctrinated with patriotism and God bless America. Amen? We, but we have been indoctrinated with this thing since we were very little that we always get a vote. But Christianity represents a kingdom and a kingdom has a king. Christianity and a kingdom's mindset is a monarchy. And we do not get a vote. That's hard to take, isn't it? Almost feels sacrilegious, didn't it? It's hard for us. This point it does, is, does not, is not hard for people in third world countries. This, this, this theology and this what I'm talking about right now is not hard for people in, in South Korea, North Korea, North Korea. They get it completely. It's not hard for them to understand this, but for us, it is very difficult because we always think we need to have a vote. And now this would be a difficult situation, a difficult scenario except for one thing. Listen, you need to hear me. We have a perfect king. We have a perfect king. 
We have a king who loves us so much that he was willing to give up his throne in glory, willing to give up heaven and come to this earth and stand in our place in our judgment to give his life. We have a perfect king. We have a king who is full of grace, and that is why he provided the fish in Jonah's story, to save him, to rescue him, to give him another chance, not to punish him. Somebody give God praise for your second chance and your third and your fourth and your fifth. Come on. Hallelujah. We serve and we worship the God of the second chance because his aim and his goal is not to punish but to provide. Somebody needs to hear that and get that in you today. Jonah chapter 2. Let's find out what Jonah does with his second chance. He's in the, he's in the fish. Jonah 2.1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead. From deep in my depression. From deep in my dark place. I called for help and you listened to my cry. He wasn't talking about getting tossed overboard. He was talking about lying in the, be- in the bottom of that ship, depressed out of his mind because he knew he was out of God's will. Verse 3, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will, what? Look again. Toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Now you know you're having a bad day. When seaweed is wrapped around your head. I don't know if that was metaphorical or literal. But man, that's a bad day. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Jonah knew that God had sent the storm as a result of his own disobedience, and now he felt the shame of his sin. And listen, the separation, the separation from God's presence. Look, he did not want to die in that condition. You understand that when Jonah's thrown overboard, he told those guys to throw, he, he fully expected to die. This was a deathbed confession. He did not want to die in this condition of being separate from the God that he had always known and walked with. Now, I'm preaching this today in part because I don't want many, I I don't want you in this situation. I don't want you to go the way of Jonah. I hope that you would never find yourself in this dark a place. But I also know that there are those under the sound of my voice right now. And you feel like you're there. You feel like you are there in the lowest point of your life. You can't feel God for anything. You feel separated from him. And I want to tell you something. God, as I was studying this and and looking at this prayer and studying it, God gave me a verse for you. Listen to it. Psalm 139.7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? 
If I ascend to heaven, you are there. Well, that's not surprising in heaven, right? But listen to what he says next. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. You may be here this morning, and you may be going through a living hell. It may be the consequences of your own sin, of your own actions, of your own behavior, or like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it may be the consequences and the results of somebody that you're with, that they've sucked you in to their hell and to their storm. Either way, the message is the same. Listen to me carefully. Somebody needs to hear this today. God knows where you are. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. It doesn't matter how low you feel, how defeated you feel. It doesn't matter how far you think you've fallen. Listen to me. Let me give you some hope. As long as there is breath in your body, there is hope. Come on, somebody say there is hope. There is hope. Say it again. There is hope. Now give God praise if you believe that this morning. There is hope. As long as there is breath in your body, no matter what you are going through, what storm, what darkness, what depression, how far separated you feel from God, there is hope because God knows where you are and he's just waiting for you to turn to him and to cry out to him and he will be there. He will be there. He will be there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jonah continues his prayer. But you, Lord my God, brought me my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah was just hoping, listen, listen, Jonah was just hoping for a chance at redemption before he died, but God gave him even more. God gave him another chance at life. Come on, look at the screen. God doesn't want you just ready to die. He wants you ready to live. He didn't die on the cross. Come on, he didn't die on the cross to protect you in death. He died so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. Jesus just didn't give his life so that you could have a a get-out-of-hell-free card, but so that you could live for him. So that you could live in blessing and provision and mercy and grace and anointing and bring as many people to heaven with you. To bring healing to people. To be able to lay your hands on people and then recover. To speak life into people. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you could have life now. Here. And be victorious. Hallelujah. When Jesus was teaching, and you know how these scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the lay would always follow him around and, you know, bother him and try to trap him and all this stuff. And they're always asking for a sign. Give us a sign. Like all these people getting healed. Hello. He said, said, the only sign I'm going to give you is what? The sign of Jonah. What's he talking about? Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, three nights. Jesus was in the belly of the earth. Come on, somebody. 
The sign that Jesus was talking about was the sign of resurrection power. Jesus and only Jesus can bring life from your death and raise it back. Come on, hallelujah. That's the sign that he brings to us today, the sign of Jonah. And that's what that represents, resurrection power. Verse 8, those who cling, everybody say cling, to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I... But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. He's talking about worship. What I have vowed, I will make good. What is he saying right there? He's saying, look, I walked away from my calling. I walked away from my assignment. I'm a prophet of God, but I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to honor that, and I'm going to be a prophet again. Even if I disagree with what you are asking me to do and to say, because he did. He did not want to go to Nineveh, but he said, I'm going to make good on my vow. And then as soon as he reconnects to... As soon as he reconnects to that purpose, verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and vomited him out. That was pleasant, I'm sure. But he was alive. (laughs) He was alive. When you come through the hardest storms of your life and the hardest, most difficult places and the darkness and the depression, you may feel like you've been vomited out, but you are glad to get out of the darkness any way you can because you're alive. Come on, somebody, and you can feel the sun on your skin and the warmth of God's grace again. Man, that somebody, the Holy Spirit just arrested me. Somebody needs to feel the warmth of God's grace and his mercy on your skin and on, in your, the, 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 like the sunshine when you walk out and lift up your face and feel that that's what you need this morning. Can I tell you it's available? Can I tell you it's available? No matter how you get there, it's what you need and it's available. In closing, these are the steps that Jonah took from these, this text. These are the steps. These are practical steps. If you're a note taker, this is where this would be a good place to write some things down. Number one, Jonah cried out to God. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop crying out to everything but God. Stop blaming everything else. And just cry out to God. The word says, in my distress, I called out to the Lord. Number two, Jonah repented of his sin. Jonah repented. It said, I will look again to the temple of God. That means he was going this way, away from God in his sin, and he, he turned around. And in doing so, that was his repentance of his sin. Turning when repenting of sin is not being sorry you got caught. And then saying, Lord, all right, fine. Fine, I got caught, so forgive me. Repentance is turning away from that thing and turning back to God. Number three, Jonah acknowledged God's salvation and provision He says, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. You, Lord, not me. You did it. God acknowledged 
I mean, Jonah acknowledged God's salvation and provision. Number four, Jonah worshiped. Jonah worshiped God. Can I tell you something? No matter what situation you're in, no matter what circumstances are around you, worship is always a good idea. That was pretty weak for something that really all of us should have said amen. Let me try it one more time. Hit rewind. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Worship is always a good idea. Amen. Amen. That's right. And number five, Jonah reconnected to his purpose. Jonah reconnected to his purpose. He said, what I have vowed, I will make good. What I have vowed, I will make good. I walked away from my calling, but now I'm going back and I'm going to be a prophet of God. I'm going to speak what you tell me to speak. He reconnected to his purpose. These are the steps that Jonah took to get his life back on track, his will realigned with God's will. And these same steps will work in my life. Come on. And they will work in your life. But there is one thing. Everybody say one thing. My wife hates when I do that, when I make y'all repeat words and stuff. But I do that not to irritate you, but to engage you, just to get you woke up a little bit. One thing. Say it again. One thing. There is one thing that will sabotage this process. There is one thing that will negate the blessings and the provision of God in your life. And I never saw this. I've preached Jonah since I was 15 years old. I never saw this until studying it this time. Isn't it amazing how God's word just brings new stuff? Everybody in this place, whether you're a Christian or not, has heard the story of Jonah over and over again. But God's word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. When we begin to study it, he will always reveal new things because it is alive. I never saw this before, but the thing that will negate, the thing that will stop the blessings is in verse 8. Put that on the screen. Verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love, turn away from God's protection, turn away from God's provision, turn away from God's blessing. What's he talking about? He's talking about people who are in the same condition They're sinful, they're shamed, they're distressed, they're hopeless, they're depressed, just like Jonah was. But instead of turning to God, they cling to worthless idols. They cling to things that are lifeless and have no power to save them. In our context, that means clinging to things like our own ability, our own strength our education, our agenda, our preferences, our stubborn will. Paul, raising up Timothy, his son in the Lord, he says to Timothy, who's a young minister, 1 Timothy 1.19, he says, cling, there's our word, cling to your faith in Christ. And keep your conscience clear for some people who, people like Jonah was talking about, some people have deliberately violated their consciences and as a result, their faith has become shipwrecked. How about that? 
That's the other side of the coin. When we decide to embrace, come on, a Burger King-like religion where we think we have to have it our way and we always have to have a vote, we are damaging ourselves. We are doing damage to our relationship with Christ and our faith will become shipwrecked and powerless instead of powerful. We negate the process of restoration. The big idea today, I think, I think the biggest takeaway, I've already said it, God's desire, his goal, his aim is to provide and not punish. How do you see God today? Do you see God as a punisher, as, 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 as a, a being up in heaven with a lightning bolt in his hands just waiting for you to mess up? There are consequences to our actions, but his, somebody needs to hear this. You've never gotten it before. You've never received this. God is not out to punish you. He is out to provide for you. He is out to give you his mercy and his grace and his salvation and his blessing. We are the ones putting up the walls, not him. Often in provision, there is correction. But when we cling to our own way, we interrupt that process. And then, listen, everything stalls. Everything stalls. Everything begins to slow down in our relationship and our walk and our and everything we do is, is, as far as our, our Christianity. Everything just slow screeches to a halt. And guess what happens then? We begin to drift backwards. We, get, we begin to drift farther and farther away from God until we don't even realize it anymore. And how dangerous a place to live when you don't even know how far you have drifted from God. I wish I had it in me. My ability is, is, is lacking to try to communicate what I'm feeling inside of me. Somebody needs to experience the grace of God. Somebody needs to put aside what you thought you knew about God and receive this point right here. God is not trying to punish you. He's trying to provide for you and you are putting up walls and you're, you're causing this process to stall and to stop. Before we pray this question to what are you clinging to what are you clinging would you bow your heads for prayer